cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not, it's no, it's not heavy. soft on times. It's, it's heavy. Okay. Good evening and welcome to the Bar Steward Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk and joining me to chew the fat this evening over a variety of topics is John Lang, my usual partner in crime from John Joe's Blogspot on Facebook. Um, John, uh, after his famous treble last week, just like me, bombed out yesterday um, with with uh, some terrible tipping, and we got we 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 went hashtag road to Doncaster, didn't we, John? It was a good job we. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was a good job we called it the not off edition, wasn't it? Really? <laughs> yes, some of ours, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, te- ter- terrible tipping from me and John. I, I believe Frank's had a had a blank yesterday. Firing blanks from Franks. Um, uh, and also, last but not least, I've not forgotten him. I have not forgotten him. Um, it's Law Malvo joining me and John uh, for this for this episode. And good evening, Lord. How you doing? All right. Also known as Chris. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was lovely. It was uh, you know a great advert for the sport yesterday. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes, I, I, just, just just before we go on, on with the show, um, just a random fact. Um, did you know that near you, which is like Chelmsford Way, isn't it? Near yeah. you, right? Yeah. There are 25 Costa Coffees within a two-mile <laughs> radius. I kid you not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We love our coffee. Star, I mean, can't move I, from. I mean, so again, I, I see you there in, in your Volvo, you know, Genesis plane, leather driving gloves. You yeah, you yeah. wear leather you wear leather driving gloves in in the winter. I know you do. Drink back leather driving gloves and a beaded seat cover because it's good for your back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> leather in the glove box, all of that. Yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've got you pictured. Um, so yeah, Western. so good old Charles was favorite famous for something. Um, yeah. A home of radio, actually, Chelmsford is. It was the birthplace of commercial radio. About that. Mm, now, Costa. No, no, I've just seen the road signs. It just says home of radio, so I assume it's something to do with that. Right. Fair enough. Enough about Chelmsford. There's, yeah. nothing, else, there's nothing else to talk about Chelmsford <laughs> at all. Uh, right. We'll come on to uh, the first subject of tonight's show, which is reviewing, of course, uh, yesterday's and today's action. I think the first thing that I want to touch on before we talk about any any future Cheltenham uh, stuff. Hashtag the road to Doncaster is the old green and gold colours uh, came to my attention yesterday, and uh, yet again, a, a real horrible example of how the, they are they are untouchable. Norwegian uh, is a is a Edna Bolgemer, um, good old Edna. Uh, she's yeah, she she had one with Mark Walsh in the saddle, four to one uh, SP. She was what uh, seven or two all morning, that kind of price, and went off a, a very weak sort of seven, six, eight on the machine. Which not bothered about that, you know. Sometimes it, it happens, market forces. I get that, but then your heart sinks when you see the walk round and good old Norwegian yesterday, two thirds of the way back, uh, held up wide, and absolutely never put in the race. I don't know if you saw the race, both of you, but yeah. I thought, I thought. If that if you can't have someone in for that, 
No, never ever put in the race. Never ever, absolutely just not sighted once. The year the phrase out the back of the telly. Well, <laughs> it wasn't in shot for two thirds of the race. In fact, it was that bad that going past the line the first time round, which I believe is about six furlongs from the start, it was it was trading at fifty fives. <laughs> it's the back of next doors. <laughs> trading at fifty five. I kid me not. Seven point eight. And trading at 55s with a lap to go. John, did John, did you see this? I did. It was an absolute horror story, wasn't it, really? I mean, and a second favourite like that, I mean, you, you, you kind of think everybody on the course must have swerved it because you'd be thinking, why aren't the storm in the lane realm after this and asking for an inquiry or something? You know, but it's just like, um, as, as you were saying yourself, I think this, this pandemic, it, it, it's made people just accept shit all the time. <laughs> you know, it, shit service when, when you go out to eat, shit this, shit that, and shit stewarding. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, what did you expect? Yeah. You know. I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Chris, I mean, I mean, this 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 thing, right? I mean, the the old uh, the old JP thing, which seems to be common knowledge, obviously, in the in the betting experience betting fraternity, that that you know, obviously, everyone knows, you know, JP likes a float up, likes a spin, likes to do whatever he wants, basically. But it's it's funny when you complain about a JP not off. Um, the, the replies you get are, "Well, what did you expect?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, actual I mean, acceptance that that you are there's a fair chance you're going to be setting fire to your money. Now, no, yeah, but actually quite serious. You know, you, 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 those bets, whatever bets you had yesterday, I did, were struck. Well, you know, you might, might as well have set fire to it because it had no conceivable prospect of winning, and that's that's terrible if you're going to try and sell the sport as a, you know, a, as a viable gambling product, and and uh, it's just, it's, it's laughable. But people accept it, don't they? Everyone goes, oh, well, what do you expect? You know, campaign with another day in mind or whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I think I think to some degrees, you know, when people like say I have conversations about jump racing and flat racing, and I think that's one thing that does put me off with the jumps more than the flat. People, yeah. you know, people say, oh, why, why, "Why do you like the flat a lot more?" I'll say because usually you're dealing with, I don't know, any anywhere between two hundred thousand and two million guineas thoroughbreds that they aren't really going to start messing around with too much. I mean, it goes off, of course it does, but. They aren't. They aren't going to start, you know, a, a real nice project. They're not going to start being 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 dizzy with a very nice project that they have. And 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 I think that's the difference with national hunt racing because obviously owners can can freely buy horses from anywhere from sort of like I don't know ten ten thousand to sort of fifty sixty thousand. You get three of you three of you involved, twenty thousand each yeah. at the sales. You know, it's affordable for the ten bob ten bob millionaires to come yeah. in. And potentially on a nice Saturday national hunt horse that you know gets an ITV racing and it's a bit of sport and I, I get that, but but with that comes the the <clears> old <throat> well they've nicked my price so they can arsehole. <laughs> um, because the only, the only good thing I took out that race yesterday late, mm. the favourite got made because there'll have been some cute bastards that were in on this. Oh, yeah. And found out this was an on jigger and thought, right, I can help myself here. And the fact that that got bait, I thought, good enough, because they'll have been parading around with the tickets as well. They've got a fucking pay pay contract. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, it was well back Castle Town House about five five to two. Yeah. I think it was. Um, you know, and obviously that went handy from the front. So you, you can bet your life that a few people thought they were being a bit probably a bit clever as well. Well, with that, um, I mean, we might be talking complete rubbish here. And, and we, we, but but there was probably we just, sorry, Chris. Sorry, they, they, the horses aren't machines. They don't run on rails, you know. And how many winners have you ridden? That's that's all I have to say. <laughs> you know. Oh no, I, I get cold in it. <laughs> if I if I do go from the rooftops on certain things, and I do start shouting my mouth off. There's always a few that want to want to you know say that I'm I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. But perhaps they're right. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I think the point. I think the point is it, it's not simply a question of, of a horse, you know, underperforming compared to your pre-race analysis. It's more a case of a horse underperforming that the market seemed to know in advance would underperform and the tactics seemed to suggest that that was going to be the plan. So it's not just some punters moaning about backing a loser. It's us punters moaning about backing a loser that the market strongly suggested would perform the way it did. And, and you know, yeah. it's absence of questions by stewards and those in authority that's concerning. Ultimately, the answer might be entirely, you know, entirely sort of uh, explainable. The horse may have worked poorly, may be very fragile, but somebody knew that that wouldn't be subjected to a hard race. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. yeah, no, spot on. I mean, I mean, John, there was a worse one yesterday than that. Um, the 1240 at Warwick, the old kitchen fitter. Uh, sent one over to Warwick. Uh, 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 tissue favourite. It was all morning. Obviously, everyone's scared for the gamble. It was a a last time out winner of a handicap hurdle at Fairy House, yeah. and basically, uh, you know, did it did it well. Uh, was up in the weights, uh, and it came to Warwick as a as a you know fancied horse. Except it <laughs> it wasn't fancied come off time because it was a massive price on Betfair. Got the old chicken wings throughout. I, the thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm quite shocked because Kevin, young Kevin Brogan, you know, a, a good conditional. You know, why why do you want to get involved in stopping him for running? I mean, he just doesn't. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, it just. I mean, again, it's another another sign of the, a bad a bad sign a bad sign of the game. I mean, like the Wild West, 25 minutes, you've got two horses really that basically, if you, if you're, you two fancied horses, 11 to 4, that opened on track, Petrolhead, ended up 5 to 1. That's two horses you, any punter in any button shop in the land could have backed and yeah. it, it is aching to fraud. It, it literally, it is, it, that's what it <coughs> is. It literally, you can't, there's, there's a saying, if you can't win, you can't lose. Well, that's, 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 the, that's the point I'm making, that the, these are these Irish like Irish fellas. They're just basically turning up, and making it like the Wild West. John, do you agree? Yes, I see. You said that the horse made a noise yesterday, ah. a respiratory noise that is, because uh, I thought it must have been fat in old man the way it drifted. <laughs> I mean, this this is the th- this is the sad thing. Everyone knows that Ronan McNally um, has has been landing gambles right, left, and centre. Fair enough, a lot of his horses are priced up accordingly now because everyone knows who he is um, and what he does and how he does it. Um, and and fair enough, you know, you have to you have to make your books accordingly and obviously anything he has is always going to be put in short now. It's a bit like he's getting like Barney for strike rate. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. So I get that. But then what's good for racing is when you just decide to turn up and, 
just have a blatant spin. It's just, it's, just, it's all right, lads. I'm just, I'm having a nice float up. Is that all right? <laughs> it's mad when you're trying to sell a product to, to, to the general public. I mean, you know, I, I suppose there'd be no pushback because the general public, you know, occasional punters necessarily wouldn't know what's going on anyway. But for those who do follow the sport know exactly what's or what appears to be going on. And yeah. no care, really, do they? I think that's it. I think it's, it's the lack of no one's bothered. Uh, you know, it's just that's that's what I'm saying. It, it's it's not really. I, I I don't mind gambles being landed. I don't mind. I, 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 I like I like courses that are plotted for race. I, I like everyone cheats for a mark. I get that. It's yeah. like you know, you don't play Monopoly and 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 without telling someone to go and make a cup of tea and have a few five hundreds out of the bank. If you haven't done that before, you don't play Monopoly yeah. properly. Um, so, so on Park Lane every yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say, <laughs> how can you afford Park Lane? We've only done three laps of the ball. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I can afford Park Lane and Mayfair. How's that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's it's this this for me is is where I think the game could be cleaned up with some quality centralised stewarding. John, do you agree? I keep clamouring out for centralised stewarding and I think this could be a big thing for racing if we went that way. Professional stewards constantly watching different angles in a studio like VAR every race and then having them in like professional judges and stuff like none of these old jockey uh, uh, friends get professional people in and get the sport run properly John, what do you think? Well the games are being policed by gibbering idiots at the minute, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. that's, that's the problem, you know. I mean, you can, you can have had somebody yesterday looking into them tell that's followed racing for five minutes. In all fairness, you know, you know, I mean, how much do you need to know to to know that, that JP Ars was either carrying a serious problem or just wasn't busy? But it was a second favourite, it ran deplorably. Yeah. Now, what are the stewards doing if they're not asking a question? And as far as I can gather, there wasn't a question asked about either of those two you mentioned. And that is stewards not doing any kind of job, not just their job. They're not doing anything. They're not doing racing any service either. Yeah. No. And the market told you or strongly suggested that that would be the case. And my point is it's not punters moaning, oh, that wasn't written properly and I've done my money. It's that the market told you what to expect. Now, we know all the usual crap. Oh, yeah, drifters win, blah, blah, blah. But when you get a combination of a fancied horse underperforming, allied with tactics that are unusual, and a pre-race market drift, that, that's enough to ask a question, surely. You know, it doesn't have to be skullduggery. But somebody somewhere knew that that horse was likely to perform in the way it did. And that's the question you've got to ask. Who were, who were they and why? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Betfair does have the have the uh, you know has ha, has has the account details. Yeah. I'm, amazed, I'm amazed at some of these like big drifts that, that there's nothing more made of it. You know, like it must be connected people. It must be, has to be. You. Oh, the, the the point that 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 um the, the, the chap that, that heads up who's kind enough to reply to us that heads up the the the, the integrity um aspect of monitoring betting patterns. You know, his point was that look. All of these drifters that you're talking, we know about and we do look into. Now, now, I dare say that absolutely is the case. But the problem is, you know, yes, they, they are unable for, for, for legal reasons to tell the general public. Yeah, fine. We get all that. But nothing seems to happen. 
you know, people, you know, you don't seem to hear very often of people being warned off or investigations that come to uh, a conclusion whereby people are, you know, fined or banned. You know, no, I, I dare say there are investigations ongoing. I'm, I'm sure there would be. There has to be to justify their existence. But what happened? Nothing seems to happen at the end of it. And that that's that's my concern. Now, you know, if, if I'm wrong, great. People can let me know. But nothing seems to go on because it carries on day after day, month after month, year after year. And it's the same people. You can write them down on a piece of paper. Those sorts of trainers and jockeys that are associated more often than others with unusual betting patterns. Yeah. I'd love to know where the horse race betters forum is on this. You know, because I mean, as far as I know, they were set up to jump in the rates of punters and all the rest of it. I mean, then, as far as I can gather, they've been silent on this issue. I haven't seen anything about Yeah. I, I, I do I do think they should be more more highlighted. Um maybe maybe sort of a you know e- everything that's sort of ridiculously weak, sharp late drifts, etc. on Betfair, whatever, and probably rides to match. I don't know why they can't be highlighted. It's, it's you know, it's like, like, like to go to, have they? You know, I mean you you, you sat there, you you had your lucky fifteen on a Saturday. Far second fabs or whatever, you know. I mean, and you've ended up with two or three not offs. Yeah. What do you do if you've had it shoved up your ass like that? You've nowhere to go, nobody to ring up. You go, you go on Twitter and start shouting and, and then and yeah, then, that's it, isn't it? And yeah. then, then get called an idiot. That's all you've got, you know. And then, oh, well, I'm over long, nothing to say here. I think that's it. I think it's the general disdain that those, those in power have. Have for for general punters say that that do spout on Twitter or whatever, and, and I know there's some yeah I've, I know there are yeah. but but that doesn't mean to say that any legit that that all concerns about you know the way horses are ridden or or, or the ultimate performance of horses are you know p- punters pocket pocket talking. Actually, I've got a lot of respect for anybody that pocket talks because you got skin in the game. You put your dough on the line. I've got no respect for people that offer strong opinions that haven't had a bet. Not interested. If you yeah. feel that strongly about something, put your fucking money on the line. Else, shut up. <laughs> you know? So I think so. You know, whatever people think, at least pocket talkers, i.e., punters, have paid to, to, to express their opinion. Pundits haven't. So I'm not interested in what pundits have to say about anything. To be honest, unless they've had a bet. Fair shout, that yeah, yeah, like you say, like those that put the money on the line and a pundit, and I, I often pundits will rubbish. Um, skullduggery. If ever you say or tweet tweet at a pundit and say there's no way on earth that was off, I will guarantee you they're not coming back and agreeing with you. No. Guarantee 100. No. percent They they don't do it. They don't, uh, and they, they'll try and dis a bit a bit like how media is now. They'll discredit you for questioning. They'll discredit yeah. you. They'll say ah, oh, you know, pocket talk. Like you just said, the phrase pocket talk is is oh, cost you 50p of you. Well, yeah. Fifty p or fifty grand. Yeah. No, it, good point. Right, we're going to move on to uh, the proper racing now, um, not the kitchen fitter and the green and gold. Um, we, we shall talk about horses yesterday and today that might have some part to play on the road to Doncaster. I looked at a, a few yesterday. I've, I was, obviously, I kept my eyes on the potemps to see if there was anything there. Um, the only thing I would say on that potemps at Warwick, I, no, I did notice that the uh, Gordon Elliott horse, 
Um, sometimes I have I have paddock notes. It was as big as a bull. Absolutely. And I know they carry condition when they get older and stuff, but this this seemed to be you know pregnant. It, it, it was it was it was definitely not fit. It wasn't straight. It wasn't any shape or form ready to to win or do the business. So I thought that was interesting that it, it did manage to come forth. You know, I know it's ten, but I would I wouldn't just say that's a forlorn hope hope if they go for the for the, for the festival again because it still showed it can mix it fat uh, as butter. Um, elsewhere, I did like Rioja at Kempton. I, I, I know it's an obvious one, it's a blogger type, uh, like sort of like, but I just like the horse because he, 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 he gives you plenty, he finds plenty, and I think there's a lot more to come uh, from Rioja, whichever way they go. Um, I don't think we saw any any festival winners uh, at Kempton. I thought the Lanzarote was slowly run. That's why co- the front end held up. Cobbler's Dream. Um, and uh, Highway 102 was on the front end. It was slowly run. Nothing could get into that. So I think mentions basically for horses like Don Levant of Evan Williams and Isabel Williams um, that was ridden from behind um, and up for parole are probably worth a mention. Um, that they, they didn't really get the run of the race they'd have preferred uh, in the Lanzarote. And finally, on to today, I thought that... Um, Bob Ollinger impressed me immensely. Obviously, he, he he did that off a slow pace and did it well. And Dysart Dynamo won in a, a very fast time at Punchestown on the Billy Idol. That has to be a live contender at Cheltenham, although it is more difficult to make all um, over that course. Uh, they run the Supreme Novice on at Cheltenham, um, if that's what they'll do, which is what they've been doing so far. So that was my summation of everything this weekend, John. Anything that sort of caught your eye, festival or anything, anything wise going forward? I thought I thought the runner up shaped well in Bob Wallinger's race, actually. I thought it kept on quite nice. I think three miles out. Yeah, it did. I mean, I, I think obviously, you know, it's obvious to say that the two very useful, useful animals that'd be uh, uh, Capadano. Um, of the third in the third, Gallard de Mesnil, uh, in Bob Bob's race today wasn't off a yard, <laughs> not a yard when the pace quickened paul town had no interest um no. In, in going after them at any point so to some he might he might people think well, i might have disappointed he, he wasn't off so clearly they've got i don't know what they've got in mind for that but whatever they have got in mind um uh, for the fez i see he's entered up in the uh national chase he's entered up in the brown novices chase uh the sun alliance um It'd just be interesting where they go with him. He he's not a forlorn hope on that because he wasn't off. John, sorry to interrupt. No, that's my lot to be honest. I mean, any, anything else? I'd be looking for something for the Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Kempton yesterday. We saw that forerunner Silviano Conte, uh, Mister Fisher, did I think what Mister Fisher can do? Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think the former I mean Defidus uh you, you basically that's that's as dead as me I think you, you're not taking either of them out that race are you? you know I mean you know what Fisher is you know it'll get beat at Cheltenham yeah you know, um very little interest really for me no no I I, I agree uh, like I said the, the the main things for me if people like a bit of the prices 
and not blogger bets. Um, like I said, Syed Burley in the Potemps, as I've mentioned, was was very big for me, very fat. Um, and uh, obviously the Gallard de Mesnil um, in Bob Olinger's race, the, that was just a spin. It was it was just like let's turn up. We're not really we we're not bothered to beating these. Uh, we'll just we'll just have a run out and plan for targets. So I'll be looking at that horse closely because they're definitely aligning that. That their ta- their target will be will be interesting certainly at the Fez and it's big prices. So interested at about thirty three to one for for different targets at the Fez, but I I, I wouldn't write <clears> that off. Okay okay right move on and next part of the show is where John has got. Uh, something special for you, really. He's told me, and he's, he's he he told me he, he was busting to, to to say it on Friday's show, and I said no because Sunday's show's a sack of shit. So yeah, it's a fucking complete waste of my time. And, and I dare say the one listener you got for a second. <laughs> three. Uh, so, so 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 John, uh, there's a big big political bet, so I'm going to give you centre stage. Away you go. Well, what it is, um, I don't know if any of the listeners have noticed, but there seems to be a bit of upheaval on the political scene at the moment. What, in this country? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite surprising, isn't it? And uh, there's even some people thinking the Prime Minister's position might be under threat. And I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? You saw soon after he got Brexit done and everything else. But... Um, <laughs> I, I did think, well, I'm going to have a look at the markets here and uh, and see what the situation is. And in, in the event of us losing, dear Boris, I thought we might all be able to console ourselves with a nice bet on whoever's next in the hot seat. So I, I started off by having a look at the, the, the front runners, if you like. Um, so I, I started with, like, current cabinet ministers, you know, and uh, I, I sort of went through the following, well... Pretty Patel's staff thinks she's a moron. Yeah. And she thinks the British are idlers and wants the death penalty brought back. So, really, she should be about the same price as Satan. Yeah. To, to be the next Prime Minister. Um, Dominic Rabb didn't know Dover was a significant place for imports and exports. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, all that Sunak has done since he was in post, apart from get permission to have a swimming pool put in at his own place, is offer more austerity and tax cuts for the likes of Musk and Branson. Yeah. Liz Truss didn't know that there was no social houses built in the last parliament when she was asked about the subject. Um, the great Nadine Zahawi, who was, never missed a chance to tell us how brilliant he was at getting all these vaccines rolled out, he actually thought heating his stable should be covered in expenses and his wife started a PPE business when the pandemic kicked in. Yeah. Hancock put a ring fence around care homes and then sent infected people back in them to kill the elderly and gave billions to his mates in contracts when, when they hadn't quite received billions from the Gosdens, or something close. Um <laughs> Rhys Mogg finds the growth in food banks uplifting and thinks rape victims should be forced to have babies if they become pregnant. Grant Schnapps is so bent he had to change his name to Michael Green and then back again. (laughs) Gavin Williamson oversaw Farrago's education secretary with the failed algorithm for A-level results, which was eventually scrapped. 
Now, the common denominator here for all these front runners is that they were all picked for high office by the Albino Weeble. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's somebody who is a foreign office minister at the moment, and he's currently around about the 33s mark to be the next leader of the Tory party, and he's in the safest of safe seats. He chairs the Foreign Affairs Committee, a proper safe pair of hands, kept his head down with all this shit going on. He's a good media performer, doesn't offend many people. He's the son of a high court judge and knight of the realm, so he's from the right background for this lot. He holds a forces commission and rather like Cameron, a rapid riser from the right background with much better credentials and substance than Cameron, I would say. Now, some of these front runners as well in the betting will pair up. Sonak and Javid, both from finance, they'll they'll try and run as a drain ticket. Truss and Rab will probably get together because together they'll probably just make up into one whole imbecile. (laughs) And Patel won't even get nominated. So that leaves us with Tom Tugendhat at 33 to 1. Yeah. For the next prime minister of the country. Well, Chris, what are you saying? What are you saying to that? I'm saying 16s at Betfair Sportsbook. So I'm trying to look at the 33. I think, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, Mr. Justice Tungan, Tuganat is, um, you know, is part of the establishment. But I mean, all of the all of the logic that you've given, John, it makes perfect sense. But do you think the fact that these people are morally bankrupt makes them weaker candidates? Than, than Tom, who seems to be a slightly straighter player. I think the Tories enjoy having uh, wicked people uh, in the party. So. <laughs> but as I say, at that price, you can afford to throw a few quid at, isn't it? I, th- I think the only possible alternative is Sonat getting in on a finance ticket. And traditionally, <laughs> obviously, he's the wrong colour for the Tories. <laughs> in you know, I mean, there'll be some... Old majors and that in constituency party offices. This, but he would have been saved constituency off, but by the actual local offices hmm. rather than obviously those in government. So that that's a good point actually. You know, um, but uh, it, it's a two-hour race for me. One's round about the two one tried yeah. to tell Mark, and the other. Well, certainly can could have been backed at 33s. I'm on at 33s. Yeah, good good um, for you, off timer. <laughs> well, everyone loves that. <laughs> <laughs> so there is it. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to have my five million pounds win now. Let's see what I'm see what I'm restricted to at 16s on Betfair live live as it's happening. Here we are. 90 pence I can have at six. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that I'm gonna take under the odds and have 90p on. That's what I'm restricted to. How about that? Fantastic. It's good, it, isn't it? It's a, it's a good case. Good case, John, really. Um only thing I would say, uh on on the downside, but obviously at that price, I'm not gonna poo-poo anything uh too much, but uh of he's a remainer. Um and obviously with the Northern Ireland situation not resolved, um, that might not be a good thing. And especially given that the, that Boris spent half his time kicking out all the Remainers. Um, I, think, I think the trouble is, when Boris goes, 
a lot of Boris's shit will have to go with him. Yeah, and no, no. Nearly all the cabinet, in all fairness. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I see that. And I, I do think whoever comes in, like you say, it'll be, it will be one of them... Uh, yeah, swept claim because... I, I, I over Indian clear-outs, you know. They can't have another Farago like this. I mean, this is just beyond parody, isn't it, you know yeah. I mean? It is interesting, though. I mean, he, he, what you said about him having a, a relatively uh, clean and uncontroversial media profile. I mean, looking looking at the list of other candidates, that you know, they're all so tarnished, aren't they? They've what all been tied And your man here, t- 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 uh, I can't even say his name. I'll call him Tom because I know him on first name yeah. terms. Um, you know, he he's ducked his nut, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. You know, and, and but by default, he hasn't been embroiled in any scandals or or, or whatever. Mm. He's, he's a John Major candidate coming up the rails that nobody's took any notice of. Yeah, completely. Whereas all the rest of them, you can sort of you can sort of articulate the scandal they've been involved in or the crises. This guy is working away in the background, establishment figure. Um, you know, a safe pair of hands. Because yeah. I think the Tory Party are probably getting to the point now where. They took a chance, as did the country, on, you know, a cavalier swashbuckling bloke like Boris Johnson on the belief that, well, he can never be that shit. It's all got to be an act. So let's roll the dice. But they've come to the conclusion that he is actually shit. So I think they probably want to to go back to a safe pair of hands now as an antidote to Boris and clear out all of the Boris supporters as well at the same time. Yeah. Good stuff, John. Anyway. Yep, good stuff. Uh, big price selection from John there for any political punters. Uh, we don't do politics very often, but always nice when we get a nice big price. All the time. What are you on about every week, moaning about Tories and the government? No, that's on my private... I don't tell anybody what my private account is. Everyone that goes on my private account blocks me. <laughs> or mutes me, and, and that's it. So, so no, no, no. But <laughs> yeah, I've all my Jura. Oh, sorry, I've given the gag away. We'll reign for a thousand years. Yeah. Um, no one wants to know my personal account on Twitter. So, right, we'll move on. Uh, back to racing. And it's a subject close to my heart because I, I don't think in the time I've been in racing, I've seen punting look like it is at the moment. Um, to say I'm in shock is an understatement in that uh, I, I see people now that I deal with myself and, and uh, you know, people that get bets on for me using, obviously people have to get on by hook or crook. They have to open up accounts via burner phones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I, I bet offshore because um, obviously you can't get on. Um, and, but that aside, I, I can't believe what's happening with the bookmaking fraternity and this single customer view affordability checks. Um, it, it really is extremely worrying. I, I keep stressing this on a few pods we've done in the past, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I can't stress how bad this is for the, for the game. It, it's the biggest threat the sport has ever faced. And the, the sad thing is, we might have to hit rock bottom before we bounce back because the way it's going, single customer view, which is basically uh, in layman's terms, where you will have to prove evidence that you can basically afford, you know, to do the job and you have to produce documentation when required uh, to, to obviously get a bet on the sport you love. Now, 
this is a problem, a massive problem going forwards. And I want to hear you two, you, you two's thoughts on it, just 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 for an outline. And we can we can we can take this debate various places if you like. But I'd like I'd like to hear your thoughts on what's happening with the bookmaking world at the moment because all I can see is they are want to take one they are wanting to take this sport down. And I don't know why. I can't work it out. I'm trying to work out what the end game is. And I just wondered if you two could shed any light on what, what the end game is for them. What why would they want to do this? For example, in 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 the terms of Betfair Exchange, why would you want to take a fantastic product uh, ingenuity, uh, you know, and try and destroy it. I, I, I mean, anyone expand? Well, I mean, the the problem with it, it especially, is the, the sharing of the information for me. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you, you literally can't go from firm to firm if if this is the case. You know, I mean. I've sort of worked my way through quite a few firms over the years, you know, I mean, all that would have been done in a matter of six months under the proposed regime, really, um, yeah. which, you know, I mean, then you're basically out the game as regards anything online. Yeah. And you, you know, I mean, basically, we're we're all going to be like Nick Davis, getting in the invalid carriage and going round all the shops. Yeah. You see, uh, nobody, no, you know, I mean, I I come from from a, from the same perspective, but no, no one is suggesting or has ever suggested that bookmakers should lay everyone to whatever stake they want, because you know, bookmakers are in the, in the game making money, right? And they have to manage risk. So so I, I get that. I get that it's not a, a bottomless pit, uh, uh, but but what's happened over the last sort of five to ten years actually is that accountants have taken over the running of of the big what was the high street. I don't think we got a high street anymore, but Tom will bring all that back when he gets in power. But for now, <laughs> we we have no we have no real um, kind of uh, solid uh, sort of high street presences any anymore. Uh, what's happened is that in the last ten years. That the, the risk managers and the accountants have taken over bookmakers and they've just gone mad and they are restricting and closing down people that really have no business being closed down. If you look at Twitter, you know, the fact that virtually everybody that, that, that takes a reasonably serious interest in betting is restricted online. Now, you can't tell me that every single punter on Twitter is clued up. They're not. And I, I've with no, no evidence to back it up. But my gut feeling is that if you were to unrestrict or de-restrict 95% of those punters, you would quickly turn those into profitable accounts from a bookmaker's perspective. But what they've done is they've applied such sort of, what's the word, um, uh, draconian risk management algorithms that virtually everyone's restricted other than you know, if you remember the, the, the few years ago, the, the, the Ladbrokes adverts of all the lads sitting on the sofa, all pissed up, rolling joints, having bets on TV. That's the sort of punch <laughs> that they want. They yeah. want the sort of t- people betting the next corner. Ray Winston saying, you know, who do you think is going to get the next header? That's the sort of punter they want. But 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 they, they are a very limited pool of people. You know, eventually you will have captured that market. And if they're only betting in fivers and tenors, where's the profit going to come from? 
and that that's what I that's what I don't get. And and, and all of the new regulatory changes, and I've said it time and time again, that gambling is a new tobacco. Bookmakers are using this to weed out potentially unprofitable accounts by applying these draconian measures. And I, I just I, I can only sit going down the pan to be honest with you because i certainly wouldn't you know play the game because it's not my living but i wouldn't play the game of providing you know mortgage deeds and records etc to justify how how i can afford 30 quid on something fuck them i'd either go offshore or or walk down to the high street if there's still a bookmaker there or perhaps not bet at all well yeah i mean the irony is um i've already done that once and And I've had a bad week this week, and I've had to I've had to deposit some some cash again into Betfair Exchange, and I've got the dreaded email. We want to speak to you, um, you know, and it's it literally is one. I'm not I'm not going to tell the amounts, but it's one one sizable deposit, and they want to speak to me now. Um, why? You know what what I'm a long term account. It's it's but but again. I think this is all irrelevant. I'm trying to I'm trying to look beyond this because this is clearly uh, idiocy, if you like. Um, so what's what what is the what could be the end game? What what would they want to see? Do they want to keep all the casino VIPs and literally trash the entire uh, betting? You know, like the sharps and and then the semi sharps and then the casual Saturday betters that make money and then the the, as Jeff Banks would say, arbors, which I think is rubbish in this day and age. You can't arb nothing. Um, well, uh, he, he, but I don't, there is, a, but that's the terrifying thing is I don't think there is a grand plan. I think they're just running away with this yeah. new way of working. I don't think there is a plan. And I think they'll wake up one day and say, fucking hell, we've got no punters left. What are we going to do? Well, you kick them all out and they're all offshore. So I don't think there is a grand plan. I don't think there is a strategy or well, a long term vision. Again, again, using real life anecdote, anecdotes here. Um, myself, um, you know, obviously, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a call tomorrow, I think, from Betfair again, discussing my depositing action, um, and you know, a successful punter, um, and and full time, and then yeah, my wife, who, who obviously we used their account to get up to premium until we had to pay a premium charge, and then psych that off. Um, they've sent her a free £100 exchange bet to come back on the exchange. Now We've missed you. Yeah, all those emails. I mean, <laughs> I find that astonishing. Yeah. That, that, that potentially, I'm probably, at the moment, I'm roughly paying, I'm not, like I said, I'm not one of the big, 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 big punters on Betfair, but I'd say a typical week, I'll pay anything between £600 and £1,500 a week in commission on Betfair. Yeah. Now, why, why then do you want, as a business, as a business model, why did they want rid of that? I don't get it. No, and that, that's why I think I don't think they've thought it through. I really don't. I, I, I mean, I you know, look, I'm sure there are strategy documents knocking around in confidence within the big book magazine exchanges, but I just can't see what the end game is because I don't think there really is one. And I think one day they'll wake up and they'll send a flurry of emails out the punters that have gone saying, "Oh, we've missed you. Come back, please. Have a free bet," because they've cleared them all out. So I'm I'm trying I'm I'm also trying to look at it from a bookmaker's point of view because that's what you, that to come to a conclusion and a sensible debate or an argument you you've got to try and look at it from everyone's point of view. Yeah. Now, when I was younger, I, I ran a few betting offices, um, and one in particular I was told was a gold mine. Um, didn't take very much money, but what it did, it had a high number of slips for low stakes, and 
I was taught back then that that's a good shop. And I, and I, I obviously it didn't make bucketfuls of cash, but the return on investment, as in, you know, it was like it was a big percentage shop because everyone come in with five, ten pence round robins. There was no sharps. There was no five hundred pound win. There's no, you know, like like on a on a four to one shot that should be twos. Um, it was literally just taking lucky fifteen, six four ones all day long. You know, plenty of slips, busy, busy because there's plenty of punters and and obviously, but all having pennies on. Now, is like you, we said about the lads, lads, lads analogy. Is that how they see it from a commercial perspective? So we we need to protect, we need to ring fence the VIPs. We need to ring fence the casino VIPs. They're the ones that give us absolutely plenty of plenty of readies. Um, obviously, can't win. Um, and then the other side of the business, we want all the lads, 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 fivers, tenors. They can never do any damage. One day they'll get an acker up, might pay a few grand, but you know, lo and behold, they'll be back and do it all in. Um, it's, I, I think that's the, the model they think. But like you yeah. touched on, Chris, I think the problem is, uh, in in achieving that, like you said, there's a finite level of those people, so you can't. You cannot keep building that business. It'd be very expensive to do so, and I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Why you wouldn't take? If I thought I, I'd got a five percent edge on a punter overall, looking at his bets or her bets, um, I, I would think, yeah, take them on. Yeah, why not? Um, I mean, you might place certain restrictions on them. You you might, but I don't. I don't understand why the hijacking this this single customer view and why the, why they're bringing it in when it's not actually legislation. For example, affordability checks were never brought in as legislation by government. It was recommended by the gambling commission, recommended, not, not, not law, not, in, you know, this is not, they, they choose to do this and they said they seem very happy to do it. And I don't understand why I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still racking my head. Maybe a bookmaker, a listener can tell me why I shouldn't be racking my head at why you would want to lose turnover. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, if you are, if they are saying, well, you know, we, we can still continue to attract the, the lads, lads, lads having the fibres and tenors, they probably got to think again because, you know, there was a huge pressure on outlawing or restricting gambling advertising, you know, during sporting events, you know, logos on shirts and all that stuff. So they, they, they're not being able to advertise as aggressively as perhaps they once were. And and the lads, lads, lads type culture, they're disloyal. They'll dip in and out of betting and they'll only bet when it coincides with a high profile match or a race or a social event, etc. But they're not going to be punting Monday to Friday. You know, it'll be restricted to the weekends, etc. So I, I think that's a very short term view. Mm. John, I mean, you know yourself. I mean, what funding implications this will have for the sport? Why aren't the BHA? I know the BHA cannot have got no effect on gambling commission. I've got no effect. Um, in it. they've got no power. Um, in what is getting brought in, because uh, they've just got a de- signed deal. That's all they've got to go on. But why aren't the BHA right at this moment in time, quaking in the boots, petrified as to what's going to happen? Why aren't they lobbying? MPs that can get at this gambling minister that is basically sending us all into restriction levels that the sport has never seen. Because we've got yet another person in charge of the BHA 
there's nothing more than a careerist and isn't looking any anything like a long-term funding of the sport. When when she came into post, there was no mention of how the sports funded, how they intended to promote the way the sports funded. It was all about getting people through the turnstiles, and that's all it will ever be from this particular person. She's got absolutely no idea about the sport. And I, I think we're in for terrible times with this idiot in charge. Yeah, I, I, I do think we're going to... This is this is what I've foreseen, that I think we're going to have to... Hit, we, everyone's going to have to hit rock bottom, where everyone's going to have to search for... Um, ways of getting on maybe offshore underground whatever how you do it whatever and and i think i think that's but then we'll come we'll bounce back because this is how it works it it goes terrible the books realize they can't carry on like this because if there's, there's no one betting i mean i mean the, the likes of ben keith there, there was a poll on twitter the other day by simon Knott, and he was saying that how many how many punters would send in the details you know the bank statements their investments the p60s etc etc just to have a bet and the poll come back at something just like 10 percent. only 10 percent of punters would be willing to do this ben said oh no you all will i mean is this delusion because i i, I put it this way i would seek other ways of doing it and i, and I know a lot of people that couldn't be bothered to do all this just to have a tenor on on the King George. People that's working won't. You know, if they, if they get back ill, that'll be it for them. Yeah. And that, that's the tragedy of it, really. You know, and these people that's in charge of the sport can't say that. You know, I mean, those that want to bet, they'll all be betting with these pikey firms that will send a young lad in a car to throw your front door if you're on a jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's this this thing. I mean, you know, I'm already doing to an extent. I'm doing that now. I mean, I get on in alternative sources, and you you get paid very slowly. You can't just demand that you, I want all my money now. Um, it ain't coming. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's how it is. You know, it's th- this is where we're at. If if I want to bet at ten o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, to a reasonable stake, then. What, what do I do? You know, there's nothing else. Bet Connect, maybe. I mean, there's a question from Philbo Bagshot that says about um, basically, you know, can you tell us where to go when you've had all your accounts closed? Well, there's no, there's no real tell you where to go. Probably try things like Mike Bet online. If you if you go on Twitter, they've got a Twitter account that they're reputable. They'll lay you a thousand pounds. They'll lay you to lose up to a thousand pounds at morning prices and up to £2,000 after 11. I don't know if they keep the sharps. I don't know. I can't tell you. Uh, I don't use them. But, but you know, they seem, they seem pretty pretty fair to me. Um, you know, they, they're always advertising that they'll do this. They'll lay anyone, whether you're a winner or not. They always claim this. Um, and they've got on-course pitches, so maybe they do. Um, but give them a try, perhaps. And, and other than that, WhatsApp bookies, um, I mean, the, the, I use someone that 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 you know I can get on with, and and he he either gets me on on these uh, ghost accounts, you know, he buys people's accounts up bet three six fives, you know, William Hill account, all this lot, and he he's having a right job at the minute. They're closing everything down. They're closing everything he's ever had down. He lasts about two days on an account before he seems to get shut. Um, they really are clamping down. So the game's going to change, and we have to be ready for that as punters to embrace it because it's not 
you're all going to suffer. You're, you're all going to don't think you're it don't affect me. I can get on now. It won't. You won't. Eventually you'll be squeezed out. Like they'll, they'll make the way down, down the order, like the, like the batting order. And, and that's it. And you'll end up having to, until a product comes along again, like Betfair did in 2000 and whatever, one will it flutter 2000 ish um, comes along and then takes the game to another level again. Look at America. America's opening up to betting. States that have banned betting in America for years uh, are now open to betting. And and William Hill have got big investments over there. Um, you can bet your life it will bounce back here. For some reason, like you've seen throughout this pandemic, uh, we are going through a period of control. And people want to control other people's lives. And that's... You know what? I, I can buy. I can go to Asda now and buy eight liters of gin. No one's going to say anything, you know. And, and and I can sit here all until that Tuesday. It'll take me to sup it, and no one's going to say anything. You know that puts a, more of a strain on the NHS. You know I'm more likely to die. Um, but yeah, if you if you gamble, um, what beyond your means, um, that's terrible, and that shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed. We've gone down a very strange path with this. There's a lot of lobbyists involved, um, paid lobbyists that are doing very well out of this, including certain MPs. And I think the BHA uh, could do a lot more for the sport by lobbying other MPs that have more influence um, and could also can get involved with this because this will affect the treasury. If there's less turnover, there's got to be less. You know, it's that simple. You know, turnover equals cash. You know, it's cash for the treasury. Um, but sadly, it's that's that's not going to be the case. Um, you know, we're going to be left with bookmakers that are very happy with their clientele because, like, like you Jeff Banks of this world uh, that wouldn't pay out on that ground bet. We had him on last week's show. Um, yeah. You know, he he he's happy as Larry. He's got his casino clients. He's got his losers. He's he's got his people that are just backing on shows and and just and just doing it in right, left, and centre. They've tidied all their accounts up for the shareholders. Better bubbly for the shareholders, um, and 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 that, that's how it is. That's that's we've got to take that as punters. We've sleep we've sleptwalked into it. No one's prepared to put the neck above the parapet and fight it. And I think that's where we're at with that. But uh, it's a, it's been a fascinating discussion, gents. Um, and if you've got any input on that, please let me know. We're back on uh, Friday with uh, the normal tipping show where we give you a load of crap. Um, and back on that shirt will be me, John, Adam Norman to bring sense to idiots. Uh, he's back on Friday and Andy Richmond also will be joining us on Friday. And if Catherine Fry wants to join us, then me or John will probably take a, <laughs> take a side step out of there. <laughs> I hate us. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's the lineup for Friday. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, John, for this show. It's, it's been an interesting discussion and that's all from us. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.